0: The Drink Beer Think Beer podcast is sponsored by Beer Edge. I'm Andy Crouch, the co-founder of Beer Edge, along with my partner and your podcast host, John Hall. John and I work hard to bring you fresh and insightful content related to the ever-changing world of craft beer. We're passionate about beer and independent journalism. If you're interested in supporting Beer Edge, visit our website, beeredge.com, which is updated regularly with new content, interviews, and articles. Please also consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your episodes. You can also subscribe to the Beer Edge newsletter on our website. Is there anyone you think that we should be talking to? Please drop us a line at beeredge.com with your thoughts. And as always, thanks for your support. Welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. I'm John Hall, and this week I'm going to be dialing up the West Coast to talk with Justin Stambaugh of Stave and Nail Brewing in San Diego. But first, a reminder that this show is produced by Beer Edge. Check out BeerEdge.com for articles, podcasts, and more. And also be sure to follow Beer Edge on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at the Beer Edge. So when it comes to find out what's happening, what to drink and who to talk with in San Diego, the best person to ask is Brandon Hernandez. He's a longtime chronicler of San Diego beer and actually just launched a new site that's called sandiegobeer.news. He's prolific and has insight like no other. I remember sitting at the Great Hall at the Great American Beer Festival a few years ago, and as the winners were being announced, there were some bloggers sitting behind me trying to update their social media site as each new brewery in Southern California was announced. As the count grew, as it does, one of them exclaimed, I don't even know why we bother. Brandon is going to scoop us anyway. Yep, he's that good. So if you're looking to stay in touch with all that's happening in San Diego Beer, there's no better place to check out than his site. And recently, I had to postpone a trip to San Diego, but still wanted to cover the area, so I called up Brandon and asked for a suggestion, and he quickly told me to get in touch with Justin Stambaugh. Justin started home brewing about a decade ago, and quickly decided that he wanted to pursue a career in beer. And it wasn't as easy as he had hoped, but eventually he got an internship at Rip Current Brewing in 2012. There, he rose to the ranks, became a brewer, and even helped start that brewery's sour program. And eventually, he decided that it was time to open up his own place, and he didn't even have to look too far. His new brewery, Stave and Nail, is located in the same building as Rip Current. Justin spoke to me from Southern California, and we talk about that move, sour beer, San Diego, and more. Here's our conversation. When did you first get the idea that you wanted to own your own brewery?
1: Oh, man, Uh, such a such a trip back to just how naive I was uh, back then. It was it was really early. I I had always been, you know, just kind of entrepreneurial spirit. So when I initially started home brewing and this is a mistake I see uh, uh, all the time, all the time is I want to open a brewery and um, literally not even a batch under their belt. (laughs) for me that that went a different way um you know in my first couple of batches i don't think i was like i'm definitely gonna start a brewery but in the back of my mind i was like okay we can uh we can do something with this um you know and subsequently all my home brews were pretty awful uh, as they should be you know you gotta brew bad beer at home to realize like oh this is hard um, but yeah, it, it was really early. It was really early and mainly just because I had that kind of entrepreneurial spirit in general. So,
0: but I mean, th- th- there's a difference between, I think there's a lot of folks who, who homebrew and you know, they, they get a couple of batches in like, okay, this, th- this could be a profession, but then putting it actually into practice. Right. Um, it, that's a whole other skill set, you know, cause you know, people can, you know, You know, see something on TV and say, "Oh, okay, I could do that," or you know, like, "Oh, I'm gonna win the lotto run one day, and here's how I'm gonna spend the money." Like, there's there's lots of, (laughs) you know, dream scenarios that live in people's heads versus putting the shoes to the pavement to 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 make it happen. What was the what was the path for you? You didn't jump right from being a home brewer to hanging your own shingle.
1: Yeah, no, 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 no. Um, and without a doubt, there there i i even if i would have have started a brewery from just being a home brewer it would have definitely not worked um without a doubt you need to get a job in, in the industry um to to figure that out and for me um that was a pretty quick transition so from the time i started home brewing gosh i think i was 20 20 maybe 21 i'm not I, it, you know it was, it was 11 years ago so um it was maybe a year and a half before and and trying constantly to get a job in the industry before i finally landed an unpaid internship um which is kind of how you have to do it these days because everybody wants a job in this industry um and that was at rip current brewing company in also in san marcos um in i believe middle of 2012 okay
0: so when it's it's interesting because I, I know internships or you know, free labor uh can be fairly easy to come by, but San Diego and the San Diego region, it, it is more difficult, right? Because
1: mm-hmm.
0: I think people are a little more tuned into brewing as a career there because it is so you know, it is such an industry versus, right? Maybe some other states where you know people are aware of beer, they're aware of breweries, uh, breweries, but it's more of a, a spread out thing.
1: Yep, yeah, definitely. Um, and th- this is changing now too. I mean, it's it's damn near impossible to get an internship now. So this was before when when the the scene was kind of developing still, um, and it wasn't easy. I tried multiple places and offered to be an intern. And even then, um, pretty much the, the consensus was, um, I don't want, you know, we, we don't take on interns because they just end up getting in the way. Um, and there are brewers that that
0: were telling you that.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. Um, not in the meanest way, certainly not in (laughs) like, I didn't, I didn't leave that conversation. Like that was nice of him. No, I didn't leave like that, but it wasn't like, you know, he was just being honest. And now that I've been brewing, um, for you know coming up on a decade uh, it's true it's so true it's so true you you definitely can get in the way as an intern uh, you, you do need a basis of knowledge and information uh, it's not like you just jump in there and start turning turning uh, butterfly valves and you know operating tanks uh, or operating filters or anything like that this stuff takes time and practice and there there should be a there should be a skill set in place. And you know, kind of that being said, and this isn't a plug or anything, but I um, you know eleven years after eleven years later, um, from starting home brewing and eight years later, from getting my first professional job at watching this scene develop, I now teach a course through a local community college that is geared towards training um, prospective brewers. So it's, it's a really kind of a difficult course to get into. And we have direct lines to a lot of the major breweries throughout San Diego. Um, and, you know, we so breweries will come to us after they've gone through our kind of introductory training course where we teach them how to CIP tanks. We teach them that the, you know, kind of just the. a a nice bird's eye view of brewing process. We actually have a pilot brewery. We teach them transfers under pressure, you know, kind of just an introduction into what you would get as a training seller person. Um, So they can go into that job and actually know what they're doing. So that's kind of the difference between then and now, now you see the industry looking for qualified individuals um, because it, you you know, you're right. The the market is is just demanding it and um, it, it's just become harder and harder to get jobs without that kind of initial skill set so
0: that's it, it, in in some ways that's really good because sure. it, it probably means that there's going to be a better quality of beer that ultimately, you know, reaches the consumer. But, you know, we've been right. talking also a lot about, um, you know, diversity and inclusion uh, yep. a, as well and trying to get, um, you know, more people involved, you know, in beer. And in, in some ways that almost seems like now that there's, you know, there's another hurdle that that's involved with, uh, you know, getting a, a, a shot in the shot. brew house.
1: Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Yeah. Then that's right. Like you said, good and bad good and bad good because just like other industries, this is kind of legitimizing the industry Mm -hmm. to a certain extent. And in my opinion, is going to lead to higher wages, higher, you know, higher starting pay, for sure. Um, But hopefully, that's going to be kind of a trickle up effect. Because what you see a lot of times is like, especially with like, increasing minimum wage, right? Sure that bottom end of employee of employee is going to get a higher starting wage but that doesn't really trickle up to your salaried employees in you know the maybe 35 to sixty five thousand dollar range or whatever whereas you go higher and higher um so ho- hopefully that this is going to be kind of a, a wage increase effect but absolutely um this is where, and I don't know where, where it's going to go on uh, as far as inclusion and getting um, people who don't have the opportunities to get there by themselves, you know, monetarily, they just don't have the money to do it. They wouldn't, um, other than just kind of banging the door down at a brewery, uh, they wouldn't have the kind of skill set to even figure out how to get through a community college system to, uh, to get to this, to this uh, class. I don't know where that Where that's going to go, I will say right now we're on a grant um, and that grant is probably going to continue. So the cost of this class in particular, and there's multiple throughout San Diego, I think there's three right now, UCSD, um, SDSU, so uh, uh, San Diego State University, and then MiraCosta is the college that I'm at. So there's three right now. I believe the other two are are on some sort of grant as well, but my class is is a $4,000 class And in this first three years of the class, um, that's four hundred dollars. So not super bad, uh, but but I definitely see the point your point there for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, it's just been something that we've been talking about. And I know Garrett Oliver is trying with the Michael Jackson Foundation to dole out scholarships and to, to sort of help with with things like that. But it's there is a there is a growing level of professionalism in the industry right now and mm-hmm. you know in some ways it can it could lead to disparity but it, it, it you know I, I think as long as the the educational institutions are thinking about that and the professors yep. are thinking about that like you clearly are um you know there's you know it, it, it's not something that could just be immediately you know kicked under the rug um
1: absolutely and and i will say i will say this as as far as um, because we, we, you know, for this class, it's 15 students. We got a pool of, I believe, just a little over 60 students who, um, who were trying to get into it. And there's a pro, you know, there's an application process, there's an interview process, the applicants. And I don't know exactly, you know, if there's certain amounts of, of, um, of, of different, you know, of male versus female or, uh, whatnot, but it's been very diverse all the applicants have been very diverse um throughout the this is my third cohort so throughout the cohorts it's so i don't know what they're doing but something is working which is which is really cool to see so
0: so you land at rip current and you're there for a a a good couple years and it was one of these these breweries that um I got to visit a few years ago with Brandon Hernandez, and nice. you know, Brandon being, I, I I think one of the most knowledgeable people uh, in your whole area, if if not all of Southern California. Um, I whenever I show up in town, like I just sort of trust him, you know, to take me to interesting places. <laughs> and you know, we we get in his Mustang convertible, and he just sort of, you know, like walks into a place, and he's he's the mayor, as as it were. And I I was surprised. <laughs> yeah when we went to rip current cause like I, I knew nothing about the brewery. Um, and it's, it's in a strip mall, right? I mean, there, there's not, um, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Um, well, how would you describe it? I guess is probably the better. It
1: it, it is, it is commercial. Um, but it is kind of strip mallish, uh, especially from the front. You have a lot of, you know, there's like a karate studio. Um, but yeah, it's in a commercial, a commercial space. um, I think what you're what you're getting at is you had never heard of it, and maybe the beer was pretty good. It was. It really yeah, was. Right. And
0: because again, Brandon doesn't bring you to to, to a bad pint. And so, yes. yeah. I guess I want to just talk like a little bit about like what you were making there, because sure, when I when I, whenever I visit San Diego, I I'm always impressed by the overall quality that is coming out of breweries there. And, you know, that everybody seems to have uh at least one or two things that define them to help them stand out from 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 the rest. And so sure. as you went from being a home brewer and then, you know, became a brewer there and, and, and started working on the process, where was your focus and what were you, you know, eager to dive into?
1: Okay. Yeah. Um I mean that that focus narrowed over the eight years uh, for sure mm-hmm. um and it, you know it, that came with learning figuring out what i liked et cetera. Et cetera. one of i i guess initially you know I, I went from intern um then to to head brewer then from head brewer to head of brewing operations um and kind of um the ownership group was was pretty hands-off so for the most part <laughs> It, it, which was not a good thing uh, to me. And I, I love these guys. It's not like, you know, they, they're they well aware of my, my feelings on that. Um, uh, but as far as I, I got a lot, I had a lot of hats. I was wearing a lot of hats and I got to see a lot of the insides of a business. Um, so I guess I can break this down into two different two different areas, one can be the beer side, and one can be kind of the business and developing my business model from rip current. Mm -hmm. Um, But on the beer side, I started and literally thought, um, well, first of all, just so you can hear how hilarious this is, you know, it was eight years total that I was there. Um, I started in uh, thinking I was going to open a brewery in about a year. My thought was, you know, and I was young, 20 something. um, My thought was, hey, I'll save up $10,000. This is the most hilarious number. Um, (laughs) $10,000 and I'm going to go open a brewery in a year. That was my goal. Oh, my God. Not even close, clearly. Um, And beer wise, I, I liked like what everybody else liked eight years ago or 10 years ago I liked stouts and I liked you know brown ales and I liked IPA specifically and I wanted to learn how to brew these beers fast forward a little while started um, kind of realizing hey there's other there's other stuff out here besides you know just kind of these cookie cutter beers that are running rampant and I'm starting to notice every brewery in San Diego do the same kind of kind of cookie cutter here's our brown here's our you know here, here's our pale here's our ipa and here's our stout right and that just kept so my mind kind of ventured and started to go to barrel aging first to um you know bourbon barrels um that kind of transformed once i had my first sour beer so which i hated by the way um it was a canteen which you know i mean it's so funny it's so, you know, thinking back, it's just so funny how naive and um, just, you know, the inexperienced, which is not a bad thing. You should be. You should be inexperienced. You should be naive, especially when you have your first, you know, when you have your first Lambic. Yeah, I don't think people should like that because it's an, an odd flavor. Um, and if you do like it, good on you. But once I had that beer, it it intrigued me enough to try more. And once I started to look into this and what um, what sour beer and mixed fermentation was, that's where it, my interest just got so peaked. And um, Ripkern was gracious enough to allow me to experiment with this. And a lot of it was just taking, you know, wort off of a batch, and um, they would let me. By, you know, homebrew vials of of different yeast strains that got into, you know, growing up cultures from bottles. Um, Eventually, you know, I had one tiny little 10 by 10 room with kegs with airlock, you know, the spears pulled out of them and airlocks and probably 15 to 20 kegs kind of pyramid stacked back there. So Um, you sort of
0: like willed this, you know, this into existence.
1: totally, Totally, totally and they were and like i said they were gracious enough um to see my ambition for it and honestly give me the time um you know obviously they're paying me yeah and uh not only that but the the time to to waste beer and to you know because of that initial when you first start brewing sour beer This is this is what so many people do, but I didn't have to because I had so much of it. I I, a lot of people will um, they have like two or three carboys of sour beer and they end up, you know, I I get brought homebrew sour beer all the time, all the time. And it's really and it's really bad because they're they're blending this because they only have three carboys. I dumped 90 plus percent of that first you know all of it basically went down the drain there were a couple of things that I liked and that formed into the next run and then that went into okay let's buy 20 barrels um 20 wine barrels so that was, that's me driving up to um to central California and picking up a bunch of wine barrels and coming back and I remember that first fill um you know we ended up dumping maybe 15 percent of the first barrel run, which is not bad. And that's actually not I'm, terrible. Yeah. Yeah. No, now I' Now I'm I'm settled somewhere around that number. Um, I don't even get mad when I dump barrels, you know, I, not at all. It's it's a good thing. It's a good thing. You got to purge the bad stuff. You can't just be putting out uh, subpar product. Um, but anyway, so that was a part of it. The other part was the business aspect. And that really intrigued me, and a lot of it, honestly, um, you know, to Rip Currents credit, the beer was fantastic, and I got to learn how to do things the right way. Um, I got to build a program the right way. I got to learn um, on on the business at end and. Ordering and working with suppliers and, um, you know, working with label designers, uh, scheduling, just general management skills, which nobody is a good manager off the bat. Nobody, you know, I mean, it, it just doesn't exist, I, in my opinion, unless you're a freak. Um, I don't think you're a good manager out of the box. You have to develop those skills and that it, it should take years and practice and reading and, you know, Um but to kind of reference discredit is our marketing and our branding was not as strong as it should have been. It didn't match the beer. So that helped me to formulate, okay, where do I, you know, I'm starting from scratch. I'm starting to like barrel aged sour beer. I'm seeing the hazy beers start to come into play, uh, these big imperial pastry stouts, mm-hmm. um, and now even like pilsners and and the really light crispy lagers which all of those beers i love and ralph beer yeah um so i kind of took all these as lessons and and that's what helped me develop kind of what we're doing now and really made me focus number one focus on instagram that's a big one but focus (laughs) on on a niche um and try to figure out you know don't be the same don't be cookie cutter, especially so, in
0: San Diego. So so I guess the, the the question is, right, because like you were doing stuff that you enjoyed at Rip Current. Um, yeah. Is it tough, though, to have the consumers come along if you opened up a certain way? And then even if you have like a side program, is is it tough to get consumers to think about you in a different way because of the only you have like one chance to make a first impression thing?
1: Oh, I love that question. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, and once you once your brand is not super strong, specifically in San Diego, at, in, you know, from my experience, I'm sure that's universal, though. Once you once your brand is not super strong, it's hard to revive it without, like, going, all right, let's get a, you know, we're going to do a full market. You got to have everybody all in full marketing and branding overhaul. Um, and then also like you're, I I think what you're kind of getting at is the side projects, they never took off at rip current. We were putting out really cool, um, barely showers. We, you know, we had, we had a few releases, you know, probably three or four before, um, because it takes so long to get them done. You know, we, this pro this project was 18 months to two years. And, um, we had three or four batches. Um, released. And since I have left, that project has been kind of um, halted, but I I know they're starting to back up again, but it just never took off. And that's difficult. And I didn't want to be in that position for sure.
0: And, and so you actually are, are able to, uh, I imagine keep tabs on what Ripkern is doing just because (laughs) uh, when you opened up uh, your, uh, your, your brewery, uh, Stave and Nail, you moved what? 100 feet to the right
1: that's right yeah yeah and that was um (laughs) so it was rip current's old space okay uh so that was the original initially it was extra storage then we kind of turned it into the barrel cellar the the sour barrel cellar to keep everything separated um you know, things came, came about, they didn't want to have that. It was kind of becoming more of a, a liability than an asset for them that just having that extra rent. So, you know, I kind of brought up like, well, Hey, I, I'm definitely interested in taking over this lease. Um, so and you it had
0: $10,000. So yeah.
1: Oh yeah, man. I was, you know, balling. <laughs> I was thinking about going to Vegas to double it. So, you know, um, no, but I, I, <laughs> i had mentioned and and they knew that i had wanted to start a brewery initially so you know kind of got a business plan together from there ended up taking over the space but yeah we are their suite 100 we are suite 107 so we're right at the other end of the same building um and interestingly enough we also don't have a brew house so we're kind of going the um the rare barrel model Uh um, which if uh Listen, listeners aren't familiar, which I'm sure a lot of them are. Um, they don't have a brew house; they contract out work production. Um, so you I, might I'm have the shortest about...
0: drive, though, if anybody who's doing contracting Currently, out work. Yeah.
1: Currently, I do, uh, but we're actually making a we're making a change and going to another uh, brewery um, shortly. But yeah, I mean, I I still am I'm brewing a pilsner this weekend on their system on Rip Current system. And then I put it into a little tote and take it over. I've got two little stainless steel, um, you know, jacketed fermenters, a little seven barrels and fill those guys up. And, um, or, or I fill my barrels and, and sour fermenters up in my space.
0: Right. So we've been talking a lot about just the, the, the wild and the sours that that you're doing, but you also have a clean beer program as well. Yes. And I, I I'm imagining that that's, I mean, one, you you have to like the beers that you're making, but two, um, it helps you make money a little bit faster.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) Now, so we weren't going to do that. We were not planning on doing that until probably when did I get those fermenters in? So we opened um, our first opening day was basically June 1st of last year. I think it was actually May 31st. And again, we've only been open one week in a month, um, up until recently. And of course there was the shutdown with COVID and all that California has been a peach regarding, um, shutdowns. So that's been fun. Um, that's
0: sarcasm for those who weren't uh, picking up on it, but yeah,
1: (laughs) sorry. I've I've got a very dry sense of humor. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, so we weren't planning on, on doing clean beer at all. And I, I actually I mean, a part of it was money, but a big part of it was, oh, my God. Am I going to be able to brew clean beers again? Like, am I only going to have sour to drink at home now? Like this is it, it's so weird. And I, I love brewing beer. I love, you know, it's not like I only want to make sour beer. I want you know, specifically I want to make I wish I could brew pilsners every day of the week. I love pilsners. I, I love lagers. I would make lagers every day. All right. Um, this this I, is I not this is point.
0: not the appropriate show to be talking about loggers on. Um, oh, really? No. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> likes
1: loggers?
0: No, it's all we talk about on the show. Oh, so uh, I sarcasm. I yeah. get it. I get it now. I, I was just, you that. know, just one for one. That's all.
1: That's great. Um, but but yeah, you would so if you we, could. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we, you know, I, I approached my investor and I was like, hey, can we get another 10 grand? I or actually it was 15 grand because I would like I, I found these 2 used U7 barrel fermenters. I think we can logistically make this work, um, which is also naive because our space is so small and so difficult to work in, uh, but it's fine. We make it work. Um, But yeah, we picked up these two seven barrel fermenters probably in May, hooked them all up in about a week. And uh, no, 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 I'm sorry. This was early April. Pardon me um hooked them up in about a week got our first couple of batches in there and um we're able to have beer flowing by June 1st uh and it's been big for bit for our business uh it was a really good decision because no matter how great the sour beer and great the you know the producer is it's so hard to just do sour spe- yeah. specifically nowadays um you know what, you might have been able to get away with it a little bit ago but
0: why nowadays? What's changed?
1: The just the mark. It, so there's like like brand equity. It's it's e- it was easier, like, for instance, and obviously the rare barrel has done just a killer job with um, with branding and marketing initially. And, they you know, they kind of got that section of the market. They also have uh, food and are able to have guest taps um, to kind of supplement for the non sour drinkers. But to be able to open and be a specifically sour brewery. Um, number one, I feel like even then it would have been very difficult. But I feel like that kind of has come and gone where the opportunity to to market and brand that properly and um, has has come and gone. Right. Just all most of that equity, most of that, uh, that market share is is not there anymore. And, and not that sour beer is going down. I don't think it's going down, and actually, I think we're about to go back up. Um, but we, sour beer in general, kind of, you know, if you're looking at a at a at a, a chart, it it went up and kind of spiked at, um, you know, maybe the twenty fourteen to twenty fifteen ish range. I remember going to craft brewers conference, and every talk was about mixed fermentation, barrel fermentation, you know, all this stuff. Um, and then we're now we're kind of going back in, in in a little bit of a lull on the on the sour beer side. I don't think it's dead by any means. Clearly, it's been around for you know hundreds or really thousands of years because all beer was sour previously. Um, but it's it's just tough. So, like but I said, it, it, is
0: it, that because every it, 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 so many people were sort of rushing into it? I, it, it yeah, I, I've gone uh, through. You know, on the blind panels for one enthusiast where I'm doing reviews and just over the years as well, you know, I've had a lot of, quote unquote, you know, sour or wild or, or, or things like that. And there's some where it's, you know, there, it, it is a side project. And so people aren't necessarily like putting the, you know, the time and energy into it. And the differences between the dedicated Sour Houses and the Knot is, is, is vast. Definitely. Um, so. Yeah. When when you were formulating your recipes for Stave and Nail, and, and you start to think about okay, you know what sort of DNA do you want these beers to be? Mm-hmm. Where where did you start? And and you have a house culture, I imagine. Um, S- sort of, yeah. yeah. I mean
1: we we have a few going. This isn't what it really is. Is an evolution. Um, so we're constantly just evolving with cultures specifically. Um, but I kind of, you know, I had nailed down for the most part my base recipe or maybe recipes because I've kind of got like a Saison base. I've got um, a Berliner slash Goza base. And then I've got a kind of your longer term sour base. Um, and, that, and then I guess also I have a spontaneous base, but I haven't been able to brew that um, this year, obviously, yet. Uh, I got one badge in last year. It just doesn't really get cold enough to, to be doing the cool ship. But this... The base beer is um, is not as important as the yeast and bacteria. It is still very important. But, um, you know, we want it to be very light in color. That's kind of the, just the sours I prefer. I don't do a lot of red or or uh, dark bases, um, although I do dabble. Um, and my idea regarding... It, it's not like I'm necessarily going for a house character because I was never really a fan of that. I liked to see out of a out of the sour breweries, I like to see I, I think that really good a really good and diverse list of sour beer, meaning different yeast characters across the board, but well executed. That's what I personally liked from a sour brewery. I didn't like and not not saying like cascade is always what people um mention with regards to like oh yeah cascade tastes the same all the way across the board every beer is just a different fruit character um i didn't want to be that and trust me i love cascade i love the beers they produce but they are kind of singular uh lactic forward you know not a lot not a huge amount of character i didn't want to fall into that kind of trap of Um, or, you know, you really do trap yourself in by always trying to have a specific character. Right. So the the way I tackled this was diversity across my cellar. Um, so every beer is, is, uh, you know, has kind of a different target, I guess. So I'll, I'll brew, you know, I don't know, 10 to 20, I'd have to look at my logs, but, um, you know, 17 barrel batches across the year, split those among barrels and even with one batch, I'm um, I'm fermenting with different intentions, so different strains of Britannomyces across the different barrels. And these are mostly all things that I've used, although I will slip in new things. But the goal is I want some acid in my cellar. So maybe brewing with lower IBUs, um, you know, heavier amounts of of proteins and stuff for the bugs to chew on over time. Um, you know maybe there's some barrels that are PDO focused so Pediococcus caucus focused um, as opposed to lactobacillus and then um, you know l- maybe lighter on the Pretendomyces character although that pretty much is that's a little harder to control this Brett character um, and then some of the barrels will be intentionally not sour and more Brett uh, more more funky more barnyard more you know fruity I, I really like the fruity Brett strains but the, to answer your question, no real character. We weren't really going for, um, you know, we didn't want to have Stave and Nail like, Oh, that's a Stave and Nail beer. What I wanted was I want to be able to blend any type of beer across the spectrum with what I have in my barrel cellar at any given time.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Has that helped you stand out in San Diego? of having this sort of thoughtfulness behind it, you know, you were mentioning before, you know, brown ales and IPAs and, you know, obviously that's what the area is known for. But, you know, when you have this sort of thoughtfulness to it, you know, are you finding that people are connecting with you on the level that you want them to?
1: Mostly. Yeah. Um, and I'm hope you know, your goal is to always be uh, just getting better in general. And hopefully, like I said, I got this new marketing girl, so we're looking for it. But I believe that, yeah, yeah, uh, thoughtfulness is a great word for this and i believe that that has been our biggest um you know people see through the the weak marketing that really you can't see like the owners standing behind it mm-hmm. or like a lot of breweries don't even know who the owners are you know or who um who really is the soul behind the brewery that i think has been you know the the beer's Uh, The beers aside, I think our biggest um, our biggest pull in San Diego and the reason that our brand is kind of is still obviously we're still just barely developing this thing. But I think we're getting traction with the brand because people see the care behind the beer. I don't make a beer that, you know, I you know, it sucks, but I've already dumped it's hard to even say this, but I've already dumped two of my clean seven barrel batches because they just weren't, they, they weren't it, you know, and in at rip current, you know, we, I didn't dump a beer. We, we dumped maybe one beer over my eight years, maybe two. Um, but already because you know, it's early. I don't want to mess that up. I don't want to me- Like you said, you only get one, uh, one chance at a first impression. Yeah. I don't want to miss this initial year up by putting out something that I don't believe in. um, and that goes all the way through the marketing now to, you know, the food aspect, which we're just starting to kind of bring in into play um, all the way to the, the brewery that we built. Um, we built everything by hand. I wanted to show that I want to go and I do this all the time, you know, because people are coming up to me like, Oh my God, I love, you know, I love the, the barrel stave wall. I love the chandeliers. Um, and I love telling people, yeah, I, my dad, my brother, myself, my girlfriend, we built all this stuff. You know, we, we, we wanted to put that care into it, um, across the board. We want the atmosphere to meet the to match the beer, to match our passion.
0: When you think about how crowded San Diego is, and I know there's obviously still room to grow and, and, and businesses sort of come and go. Um, you've been thinking about having your own place for, for quite a while and you know, you've worked at other places and now you have your own place. What does growth look like? What does, you know, it, it seems to me like you're a guy who's always thinking about sort of next steps. And so yeah. like where, where's your mind taking you right now?
1: Right. Um, well, I'll I'll say this. So, Um, I'm definitely always thinking of the next step. That's kind of, you know, I, I see that as my job, my main job. Well, it's been so many different roles, but that's why now the delegation of these, of these things, um, allows me to, to do my job as the, um, as the owner and kind of, you know, just driving, driving the bus, um, just keeping us going and keeping us looking towards the future. Um, so I'm, I'm happy and, And I I feel like I owe that to the people that are working for me to constantly be, um, you know, I don't want to just be, I know there's too many breweries, specifically in San Diego, that um, you just, you could tell year one, this is number one, this brewery is probably going to close eventually. And number two, um, it's just too generic to really get any traction in the marketplace. Um, So... Our evolution. My initial thought was, um, I think this could be an excellent restaurant concept. I come from a restaurant background. I love culinary. Um, I, I love to cook. I've always loved it. Um, I love the service aspect of restaurants. So that being said, um, from the beginning, Save a Nail always had. I've always had an aspiration with it to um, to combine sour beer just beer in general with a restaurant concept and now that's sort of where we're starting to develop and i think this is where um where we would set ourselves apart uh i don't want to get too far into the details sure but kind of the the general idea is we are going with a specific type of spirit um focused bar. Uh, So we're going to go with a type 75 license, which is that's this is, you know, this is tentative. We're still um, we're probably one to two years out, but the investors are starting to line up and we're starting, you know, things are starting to fall into place, especially with the way things are going. Now, rents are starting to get a lot cheaper. Um, So we're starting to think, okay, let's not um, I don't want to just not fail right now. I want to progress through this uh you know kind of bullshit pardon my french this craziness all of this uh you know all this madness and and kind of sadness everybody's just sad and um I don't want to come out of this just like oh well we made it or oh we closed uh you know definitely don't want that um I want to come out of this with you know the just the guns blazing um would be my my hope and uh so yeah we're we're gonna do a, you know, we're Southern California, so I might be able to pick the your guess the spirit and the type of food, because uh, we're we're pretty <laughs> closely tied to to somewhere. Um, Tequilas
0: and so tacos. All right, yeah.
1: Okay, yeah. Um, we're trying to do a bar focused on that, mixed with our beer. So okay. the grand vision would be um, kind of a little more upscale. Um, large selection of only two different types of spirits. Um, so upscale food, those types of spirits and mixed with fooders mixed with barrels mixed with a big shiny new brew house for me. Nice, um, And that's kind of the vision going forward. And I think there, there's certainly a lot of room in San Diego and nobody's doing this. And we're just so, um, you know, kind of just trying to strike Strike at the opportune moment, I guess.
0: Well, it sounds like there's a lot to look forward uh, look forward to, and a, another reason to come back out and visit San Diego uh, once uh, we can all get on planes again and uh, go places yeah, yeah. without without worry. So, um, hey, look,
1: look me up; I'll take care of you. I promise.
0: No, will do, uh, Justin. Thanks for being on the show today. I really appreciate it.
1: No, I, I appreciate you for uh, you for reaching out, and thanks to Brandon Hernandez um, for setting this thing up. Really cool.
0: Thanks always to Brandon Hernandez. That's Justin Stambow of Stave and Nail. My thanks to him for coming on the show, and thanks again to Brandon Hernandez for the introduction. Remember to check out his San Diego Beer Dot News site. And also, listen to Steal This Beer. Brandon was a guest two weeks ago, and we had a fun conversation over the black glasses. And of course, for more podcasts, check out Andy Crouch on the Beer Edge podcast and the BYO Nano podcast. I have some fun shows planned in the coming weeks and some conversations in the can, but let me know who you might want to hear. Reach out at John Hall, it's J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L, at beeredge.com. Or you can join the conversation on Twitter at John underscore Hall. And make sure to follow Beer Edge on all of the social media channels at The Beer Edge. And if you're so inclined, go on to iTunes or wherever else you're listening to podcasts these days and leave a review. It really does help other people find the show. Nate Schwaber does the music. Jeff Quinn designed the logo. I'm John Hall. And new episodes of this show release every Wednesday. And that's when I'll be back again to drink beer and to think beer.